This podcast is made possible by Host Analytics and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Dave Cohn, CFO of Taylor Morrison, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 301. things the CFO can do is come in and, and create the right level of process and procedures, but yet it's still a growing emerging tech company, so it can't be like a stodgy old business either. So I can particularly come in and help the business profitably scale. And in a business that is growing fast and profitably scaling becomes a more valuable business. And and so while we're not you know, there is no specific outcome here. I, I certainly have had IPO experience. I also have experience growing businesses and selling businesses. While there's no particular plan for the final strategic outcome for this business, if I can be a part of the team with, within my role as CFO to help the business scale profitably, then the business is going to be more valuable, will own our destiny, and it'll be um, a great accomplishment for me. From the Middle Market Executive Digital Network, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. I'm Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Lynn Atchison, CFO of SpreadFast, a provider of enterprise social media software. We ask Lynn to reflect back on her CFO career that includes finance leadership roles at Hoover's, the business information company, and HomeAway, the online real estate rentals company, as well as a number of other innovative tech companies. At SpreadFast, Lynn's been busy creating a scalable organization to accommodate the growth firm management now anticipates. Our conversation with Lynn begins after these words from our sponsor. It's no secret finance professionals are dealing with some pretty complex problems these days. Now more than ever, they need tools that can help them streamline complex workflows and focus on bigger strategic issues. By bringing your finance organization together on a single cloud platform, Host Analytics automates everyday processes that would otherwise slow you down. By streamlining your planning, modeling, consolidation, reporting, and analytics, Host helps you connect your organization so you can react more quickly to changing conditions and make better business decisions to optimize performance. Let Host Analytics be your partner in leading the evolution of your business. Early on, there was a period of time I was working for myself as a controller for small tech businesses. And during that time period, I had several clients. They were all in emerging, fast-growth tech businesses. And during that time period, I was exposed to a a much much more broader sense of what a financial leadership role is. I would say that the, the common theme for me was that the company produced a product or a service that addressed a brand new changing behavior. 
Um, Hoover's online changed the way people research companies to help them do their job. Um, Homeaway, very similar, even though it was in the travel industry, was changing the way families and groups were going on vacation. So the common theme for me was I liked being part of an organization that was changing behaviors. Because fundamentally that is exciting to me and, and that's it's invigorating to me. And in terms of my CFO skill set, those were all businesses that grew fast in new industries. So that is also a commonality. A recurring theme in Lynn Atchison's finance career is what she just explained so well. An attraction for opportunities inside companies that were largely innovative in terms of how their offerings addressed a change in behavior. And I remember during um, a role where I was the CFO of a travel startup here in Austin, the developers introduced me to the first time they showed me a screen and the developer said, this is Mosaic. And this was in the mid-90s, he said, and this is how our, our software would work on, on this thing. And I don't even remember what he called it, if he called it the web or whatever he did, but I really became excited about that. And then that's, you know, and I realized at that point in my career, the things I loved, I went on to be the CFO at, at Hoover's Online. Your door of entry, though, into finance was public accounting. Right. I came from the accounting world, and so I, when I graduated, my first job was with Ernst & Young, at first in the Dallas office and then seven years in the Austin office. And one of the differences between the two offices in, in the Austin area, at that time, the clients were smaller. So I think my affinity for a small and growing business although I didn't necessarily realize it then, was probably forming at that point. What is it about that this role at SpreadFast, what is it that you can accomplish here? And what is the job that you want to create for yourself here as a finance leader? I see my opportunity at SpreadFast to specifically help this company scale to the next level. So I've seen businesses at, at, at varying um, revenue points and employee count points. And, and one of the things the CFO can do is come in and, and create the right level of process and procedures, but yet it's still a growing emerging tech company. And so it can't be like a stodgy old business either. So I can particularly come in and help the business profitably scale. And, and a business that is growing fast and profitably scaling becomes a more valuable business. And, and so while we're not, you know, there's no specific outcome here. I, I certainly have had IPO experience. I also have experience growing businesses and selling businesses. While there's no particular plan for the final strategic outcome for this business, if I can be a part of the team with, within my role as CFO to help the business scale profitably, then the business is going to be more valuable, will own our destiny, and it'll be um, a great accomplishment for me. So tell us a little bit about the finance team and what it was when you arrived. What is it that you uh, had to do to begin moving the team in the direction you, you wanted? The team was solid when I got here, and it had solid systems and, and, and great people. And so there really hasn't been very much change at all there. I, I would say that there's been a handful of people that I rearranged what they have been responsible for. So with my eye towards scalability and 
you know, if I ask the question, what are you doing today that you fully expect your role should still be doing two years from now, well, then that's fine. We should keep doing that. But, if, but I think that there was still a very strong sense of entrepreneurism in our organization. And because of that, I didn't feel like everybody was quite doing the right things um, in, within the right organization. So I, I made a few um, changes around the edges is really all I needed to do to get people focused on what is the reporting we need, what is the, the what are the dashboards that we need, what are the metrics that we need, um, are we organized to scale over the next two years. And I've, I found that if you ask the question, um, are, oh, is what you're doing today sustainable for two years without adding headcount, if people say, sure, yeah, then you figure they've got a good scalable business. If they say, oh, no, every six months we need to hire a new person because we're growing so fast, then I would say to them, well, then maybe you don't have a scalable process yet or system yet, and maybe this is an area we should look to build in some automation. So, so far, I've only been here for two months, but um, been happy with the team, still making some tweaks, but believe we're positioned um, to do all the right things. Can you tell us a little bit about the competitive landscape for SpreadFast's offerings today, and what, what exactly is its competitive edge? So the, the competition for SpreadFast, there really aren't very many competitors in this space. This is a very, very new space. I think the whole market out there is trying to figure out what to do with social media. So what there is is a, a whole bunch of small players, that, that are out there, um, you know, trying, you know, working with small companies, giving them some point solutions. But we truly are an enterprise platform, and so so we are helping larger businesses look at social media from ver from a lot of different angles. Um, there's some larger players doing that. There's there's one particular player, um, Sprinkler, that that is that we we see in our deals and competition. But there really isn't too much out there right now. And, and in terms of our competitive advantage. We've definitely selected a best-of-breed approach for our software platform. So we surround ourselves with, with the best partners for the pieces of the platform that we don't do. And so, therefore, the customers or the prospects that we are selling into, um, they're making a decision about whether they want to buy all-in-one or whether they want to buy a best-of-breed platform with, um, with a suite of partners around that. Now, is this a uh, is this a SaaS offering, or is this a uh, uh, some solution uh, consulting solution type offering? It's, it's absolutely a SaaS um, enterprise business. There, there is um, we do have some services that we offer, but it's really services to to get the teams enabled, to to get them up and running, trained, and and um, and going. So it's really a, a definitely an enterprise software business. So I, I would expect then when I ask you what the key metrics are, we quickly hear renewable revenues, customer retention. Sure. So we, we, we were paying attention to, to gross bookings numbers, you know, um, average contract value, um, annual recurring revenue, certainly in addition to, to anything that's retention-oriented or, um, or renewal-focused. We're looking at the pipeline all the time of the customers and, and how the pipeline is changing. We're looking at the composition of the pipeline because it's very important that we're focused on um, our sweet spot um, for enterprises. So there's really, a, a, those were really the top metrics. 
So as someone who's always uh, been interested in high tech and uh, CFO of a technology provider, I'd be interested in hearing uh, your own mindset when it comes uh, to automation and the adoption of technology. We know so many finance leaders play a, an important role in the decision-making around technology adoption. But what about uh, what you're up to at SpreadFast in terms of the adoption of new technologies? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel strongly about it. So, so I'm not the technician, so, so I'm not going to be the one hooking up the pipes at all. But it's all about being able to scale, right? So, so when you realize that you've crossed over some point where you can't scale, you've got to look for a, a solution that allows you to do that. At, at Homeway, we jumped from QuickBooks to Oracle Financials. I mean, it was crazy. People looked at me like I didn't know what I was talking about, but we had a global business. We had acquired companies and had real operations in, in about seven or eight different countries, and we needed the depth at that time, even though we weren't a, as big of a business at that point. We still needed the power of Oracle Financials, which had statutory reporting and all the currencies in there and all the translations and everything. So um, that, that was a big move for us there. And here I'll say that at SpreadFast, they've, they've already made a jump on that. You know, I, I got here and there's already spent expense account um, management and tied to travel. And I think it's because this organization does a lot more travel. You know, an enterprise software company has outside sales representatives, and there's a lot more traveling than perhaps we had at, at Homeaway. And we, um, in terms of the GL product, um, they already in NetSuite, which meets the needs of the organization here. And the only thing that I was excited, super excited that they were implementing, and again, I'm going to attribute this decision to, to my predecessors, is they were putting a, a reporting package, an analytics package on top of the GL that will help us efficiently forecast. And so we, we selected one called Host Analytics. And, and there's you know lots of good packages out there, but I, I'm a true believer in, in automation for scale and in reporting, because if you spend all your time compiling numbers, you don't have any time to analyze it, much less make decisions with the information which can impact the business. So you need to cut down that time of compilation to as short of a period as possible so that you've got time to say, okay, here are the numbers, what do they mean, and what does that mean for any future decisions that we need to make? Lynn, we always like to ask for a, a finance strategic moment, and this is just a place in time during the course of your career uh, that you feel illustrates um, how finance is strategic. And, and by that, it means as a finance leader, your lines of sight into the organization was able to uh, identify either an opportunity or a risk um, or uh, maybe uh, another way of doing things that led you to point the organization in a new direction. What would you share with us? I, I would share that at HomeAway, one of the things happened during my my nine and a half year tenure there in that the the external market did shift. So as this new way of going on vacations started to take hold, what we realized is that the, the, the newer travelers were being exposed to this sort of accommodation were demanding new things in the market. 
So I'm not going to give myself solely credit for this. This was the executive team at Humway, but, but certainly it had a lot of financial impacts, and, and I was certainly part of that. Um, not just millennials, but new people coming into the category wanted to explore this level, this type of accommodation in a different way. They needed to learn how to make, we needed to learn how to take payments in a different way. You know, we needed to learn how to account for this differently and think about the business metrics. We needed to make a shift to focus on the traveler and the metrics and the financial metrics around the travelers coming to our websites as opposed to the early days of Home Away where the metrics were really all about the owners that bought the listings. So it really was a strategic shift that took place at Humaway, which necessitated um, new ways of thinking, new processes, new procedures, new relationships from a financial standpoint in, in terms of accepting payments um, for vacation rentals. And, and that was pretty major and, and, and one that was not just wake up one morning, have an aha moment, and fix it the next day. It really, um, fundamentally, the organization had to continue to grow and evolve with that happening um, around them. Lynn, it was also your tour of duty as a finance leader at HomeAway that that company weathered the downturn. I have to believe that was one of your uh, more interesting career chapters. It, it, it was um, from a couple of different angles. Uh, from, a, from a negative angle side, at the time that the craziness was going on, um, we actually had some, some financial some we had to restructure our capital during that time period because we were doing business with a bank that was that was undergoing some financial difficulties. So, and and that happened even though we were doing fine. It, you know, if, if the person who's lent you money is not doing fine, believe it or not, there's a ramification there and there's a consequence that you have to deal with. So, so from a negative standpoint, we were throwing some curveballs, which for the most part in that category, I was very in, involved with with, and we actually successfully raised um, private equity to, um, to take, care, take out the debt, essentially, which was the right financial and strategic move to do during that time period. On the positive side, our customers were the ones that needed us more than ever. So, so we were a marketing platform for our customers. And so even if travelers slowed down during the downturn, that meant the owners need to really make sure that they were marketing their properties in the best way that they could. And so from a revenue standpoint, Humaway's business model at that time was not as impacted because our money was coming from the owners because we were a marketing platform. But our owners really did need us during that time period. And so we um, took that very seriously, making sure that we were still investing and in bringing as many travelers to them as we could. Thought Leader listeners don't go anywhere. Lynn Atchison enters the mentoring round right after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company 
for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. What is that piece of information that you wish somebody had shared with you at the start of your, your CFO career? What would that have been? In my early CFO days, I wish someone would have stressed that I become more operationally focused instead of just finance and accounting focused. And I believe that when I, my first CFO role, I thought of that more narrowly. And so I wish someone would have told me earlier on, you need to really get out in the business more, you, you need to think more strategically. I, I believe that happened naturally over my career but it would have been a nice jump start if someone would have told me earlier. Is there a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your professional success? This is an interesting question. I, I, I was not sure how to answer this. The only habit I can think of I have is I'm an early riser. And so I've always been the person who is here really early in the morning and I'm not judging who's here and not here at all. It's more of my quiet time. You know, it's my time to sit with a cup of coffee and think and go and think about the day and the week ahead and, and what is it I really should be doing. So it's that quiet time for myself when the phone is not ringing and there aren't a lot of people around has always served me well. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? One of my favorite books, and it's top of mind right now because I'm hopeful that it's spread fast, perhaps we can find some, some interest in it with, with its tools. It's called um, The Six Hats of Thinking by DeBono. And what I enjoy about that book, and we really read it and put it to work back in my Hoover's Online days, so this is an older book. It, it's not. It's been around probably for 20 years, but it helps teams be efficient in their thinking and decision-making and debating. And as a finance leader, you're not just doing all finance. You're working cross-functionally with teams. You're really a leader in the business, and you're involved in a lot of cross-functional teams and decisions and things going on. And so anything to make that element of work more efficient and effective is, is good. And so I... I often go back to that book and to its uh, tenants. So I would encourage people to check it out. It, it's very interesting. I want to ask you about uh, your region, uh, the greater Austin area, where most of these opportunities uh, you were able to pursue and build your career right there uh, in Austin. Um, can you reflect a little a bit about uh, your market for us? Yeah, I've been in Austin for a long time. I, I love, I'm from Texas originally, but from the Dallas area, but I've been in Austin for most of my career. It's, I, got, I don't know if it was lucky or, or what, but I, once I got into technology, what was happening in Austin beginning in the, the late 80s, early 90s, was the creation of a lot of opportunities in technology. We had spinoffs from University of Texas, which we had spinoffs from MCC. So the, the climate here was one that technology companies were being formed in the city, and I became excited about that. So I think I picked an industry that, that was burgeoning and, and, and starting to, to develop at that point in my career. And then I got the internet bug, and as I mentioned earlier in the, in the interview, 
there were just there have been great opportunities here. So I've been lucky. I, I love to travel. I, I love to get out of Austin, but it's been a great place to raise my family and have a great career. I want to ask you about uh, the role networking has perhaps played in your career and whether you uh, participated in some of the financial executive organizations or uh, technology uh, organizations along the way. Because I think someone like yourself who successfully uh, uh, landed a number of different finance leadership roles in different industries, really, um, knows how to network. What, What would you share with us? That's a great question because I feel very strongly about networking. I, I do I do believe that networking will ebb and flow in someone's professional career. So I'm not one of these people that says you should be going to every party on the planet, you know, and not showing up for your personal, not having your personal time with your family and friends and all that. I don't think that you need to take it overboard. It will ebb and flow in your life. But I did read a quote once, which I do subscribe to. It said, at least once a month, have lunch or coffee with someone who might be able to hire you in the future. And so the concept of that quote is very important. It's like you're going to have lunch, you're going to have coffee. You can do a little bit to stay in touch. And so I've always subscribed to that. And the other element is, you know, specifically answering your questions. I became involved, um, most of my networking has been through an organization locally early on called FEI, which is, you know, Financial Executives International. um, Those that may are familiar with CFOs know that organization. So I was very involved in that organization for many years. I also was involved in an Austin Women's Technology Group. So I actually did both. I I liked the, the technology angle with that group, and I personally liked the women angle too, and then I liked the FEI. The FEI group, I surrounded myself with a lot of like-minded finance professionals. In the women in technology group, it was really developmental for me because not there were women there, so I thought that was fun, but there were women CEOs, women VP of sales, women CMOs, so I was actually getting development and mentoring myself and networking with those that didn't actually sit in my seat. So I learned from that. And then, you know, there's just been an ebb and flow. I've been involved with the Austin Technology Council, um, which is more of a trade organization here for technology companies, and that's been a lot of fun. So I would say that I just, um, I enjoy networking. I enjoy getting involved. I enjoy meeting and learning from other people. And, And as part of that, I give back too. Okay, our final question. Over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader? My priorities here at SpreadFast are to, um, specifically with my teams, to get them running like a well-oiled machine so that we are positioned to to continue to, to scale profitably and grow into the future. And then also as it relates to my impact on other teams here at SpreadFest to do the same thing. So, you know, I just really, I want this business to take it to the next level. I know it will and can. And so my goals are to be there so that we can do it and, um, and substantially increase the size of the business as well as the bottom line. Lynn Atchison, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you. Enjoyed it.
Hi, it's Jack Sweeney with a quick note that CFO Thought Leader now has a quarterly print magazine. That's right, print. Each issue will profile 25 different CFOs. Let me repeat that, 25 CFOs. Other uh, print publications are lucky if they're able to bring you five CFOs per issue. What we understand is that you want to consume content in multiple ways. But wait a minute, there's something more here. We wanted this print magazine to be a podcast companion. So when you receive it, we want you to quickly thumb through it and maybe identify which episodes you have missed. We want you to dog ear those pages, as well as uh, perhaps the pages that feature CFOs from episodes you already listened to but found maybe a little extra value from. 12 months later, you will have a library of 100 CFO profiles highlighted with your insights or comments alongside the CFO thought leaders. Now, how much are we charging for this one-of-a-kind 100 CFO profile library? Annual subscriptions are $119. We think that's reasonable. We thought about it a little bit, but that's, that's what we came up with. Uh, visit us and subscribe to CFO Thought Leader magazine at cfothoughtleader.com, where the future of finance is listening.